In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen. One of the most critical things in the Christian life is the ability, the will, the desire, the skill, and the Christian maturity to distinguish between appearance and reality. Take Jesus, for example. Jesus, what a loser. He's blue-collar and dirt poor, born of a father who's a carpenter and a mother who's said to be a virgin. After a strong start as a prophet, it seems that Jesus fades to the finish. By John chapter 6, he's lost most of his followers. And by John chapter 19, it seems that he is not clever enough to avoid crucifixion. Jesus ends up all alone and unloved, dead upon a cross, and by then, his entire life appears to be a staggering loss. And yet this morning with you, I will worship him as God made flesh. This morning with you, I'm going to stake everything I've got, my life and my kids and my wife, my job, my life savings, and my soul on the reality that Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity, that he really is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, one substance with the Father. When this sermon is done, I'm going to shout that out in the creed. And I'm even going to bow at the point where it says, and he became man. Because I know that he became man is the truest thing that has ever happened. And it deserves that sort of respect. That God became man in the person of Jesus Christ for my salvation and for yours. I'm going to hang my life on that reality. If you need to get to that story by baby steps, consider the gospel for today about the Pharisee and the tax collector. It's not a matter of money. Pharisees were rich, but tax collectors were too. It's not a matter of power. Pharisees and tax collectors could push almost anybody around anytime they wanted. It's not a matter of popularity. Frankly, folks didn't like the Pharisees or the tax collectors back then. This is a matter of reality, a matter of what is and not what seems a matter of what is and not what appears to be, a matter of what is good and right and true. What we are in reality, sinners, and what Jesus is in reality, Savior of sinners, and how our stories fit together is the story of forgiveness and eternal life. It is also the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. These past few months, as you know, we pastors have been banging away at all the things that mark the Christian life. Discipline and witness, suffering and honesty, and letting your life dissolve in service to others. Tithing and healing, tending children and sick and the poor, and lining up and grabbing a cross and doing what we're told. All of that is the stuff of Jesus. It is the prophetic life. And the church here always ends this way. Only five Sundays to go. The church here always ends this way 
even though sometimes it seems like evil has the upper hand in our lives, the church year always ends to assure us that the reality is that Jesus will come back and win the day and take us home to Eden. You've got to be able to see the difference. This morning in the Gospel, it seems that the Pharisee has the life that we've been talking about in spades. You heard him. I tithe, I fast, I pray, and I'm better than anybody else at it. I'm better at it than anybody else in this room. It seems like he fits the life that we've been talking about, begging you to live for weeks now. But he could not be more wrong, and you all know why. The very first step in Christianity, the very first thing to know, the very first understanding in sanctification is this. A good life is a forgiven life. A good work is a forgiven work. Whatever you've got, whatever you do, whatever you are, your work is no good until it is forgiven and your life means nothing until it has been redeemed. That's why the liturgy is so terribly important. You heard it again this morning. The liturgy does not let you get away with any pharisaical nonsense. It starts you off as a lost cause. I, poor, miserable sinner, by nature, in word, by deed. But then the liturgy redeems you all along the way. I forgive you all your sins. Peace be with you. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, the very body, the very blood for your forgiveness. And the Lord bless you and keep you. Again and again, the liturgy gives you the most important gift of all, the very first thing, forgiveness of sins, to turn you away from being a Pharisee and into being a tax collector, to kill the appearance and to give you reality. Of course, as we've said over and over again, that forgiveness is the first thing in the Christian life, not the last thing. That forgiveness is just the beginning. So each week after you're forgiven, you're pushed out into the world to do some good, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to grab a cross and get in line. I was in the Basilica of St. Mark's in Venice waiting to see the tomb of St. Mark, and there was a mass being said at a side chapel, and I could not understand how they could carry on with the noise. If you've been in a big, famous cathedral, you know the drill. The tourists come in, there are mosaics, there are statues, there are pictures, there are relics, there are chalices, there are altars. Even the floor is done in a maze. People begin to talk. It gets louder and louder. The acoustics are great. And suddenly, there's noise everywhere. So how in the world could these people carry on with the mass, given the sound? And then I realized they were all deaf. There was one pastor speaking, but the one next to him was signing vigorously over and over again like this over and over again, faster and faster, over and over again. And even without knowing sign language, it was clear what he was doing. They'd come to the end of the Mass, and the end of the Roman Mass says, go, the Mass is ended, which colloquially means you've had the gifts, 
You've been baptized. You've heard Jesus talk. You've been to the supper. You've been forgiven. You've said the creed. You've got the blessing. Now get out of here. Get out of here and do some good. And with the rolling of the hands and the pointing of the fingers, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector gets right. It comes into its proper order. First, the forgiveness. First, the Christ. First, the gift. First, the baptism. First, the supper. First, the creed. First, the absolution. But then, get out of here and do some good. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, all of that is for you. But then the rest, living prophetically, clinging to what is good and right and true, giving generously, serving well, loving deeply, giving a faithful witness, get out of here and live that into the world. Do some good. And so as another church year winds down, please take that to heart. There's just a bit left in the liturgy now. Christ will draw you to the supper and give himself to you. He will forgive you and bless you. He will touch you. He will make you holy. He will dress you for service. He will make you fit and strengthen you. But then get out of here and do some good so that all God's children, even the Pharisees, might see you and learn from you and benefit from you and love you and love Christ so that even the Pharisee might be drawn home again. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. amen.